This is Mark Bagley, and you're listening to Superior Spider Talk. Welcome to the Superior Spider Talk. My name is Dan Gavazdan, and I'm the editor of GrindMyReels.com. And as always, I'm Mark Janakio, the editor of the Chasing Amazing blog. Are you sure you're always Mark Janakio? Last time I checked, unless someone switched brains with me, Dan. Whoa! <laughs> Thanks for joining us for the ninth episode of Superior Spider Talk. We hope you enjoy this podcast and that it provides an intelligent conversation between two fans and collectors as we hope to look at the Spider-Man comic universe in a bit of a bigger picture. And episode nine is yet another one of our special Superior Spider Talk and Friends uh, podcasts. And it's one of the five podcasts that we will be releasing over the next week, which include interviews from the Connecticut Comic-Con event we attended on August 24th. Uh, Dan, you and I were lucky to be able to speak to five very influential Marvel creators who all worked on Spider-Man comics over the years. J.M. Demetrius, whose podcast you uh, already should have heard, hopefully. Uh, Mark Bagley, Tom DeFalco, Danny Fingeroth, and Jim Salakrup. And in this episode, we're going to be sharing our interview with Mark Bagley, one of the most iconic illustrators in Spider-Man history, who enjoyed two very lengthy and wonderful runs handling the pencils on Amazing Spider-Man and a decade later on Ultimate Spider-Man. Yeah, I'm really excited to share this with you guys. But uh, if you want to skip to a specific section, just use the chapter selection arrows on your player, although I'm not sure why you would want to do that unless you want to get right to the interview. But uh, if you hear this sound... Please check out your iOS device because I'm going to be putting in some links to articles, videos, and images to make this even better of a podcast. Dropping links and images. (laughs) You can email us any comments or questions you have regarding this podcast to superiorspidertalk at gmail.com or visit us on our wonderful, wonderful Facebook page over at facebook.com slash superiorspidertalk. Yes, Dan, and our Facebook page is actually a great place to keep up with us in between shows because we're always on Facebook. We're we're those people, right, Dan? (laughs) Yeah, I can't get (laughs) off of it. I know. I'm all the time, man. But also we put up articles that we've written and other breaking news about the Spider-Man universe and, of course, how to get in touch with us. Uh, So please like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Superior Spider Talk. And also uh, reviews, ratings, all those things for iTunes. Please leave them. We love them. We'll read them on the air. Just do it. Spider-Man and his amazing friends. Iceman and Firestar. Uh, so, Dan, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about meeting Mark Bagley? Well, uh, I've always wanted to meet Mark Bagley. Uh, I am a pretty self-professed um, ultimate Spider-Man like freak. <laughs> <laughs> um, hey, I, you got me to read them, so it's all good. Yeah, yeah, and uh, that was a that was a bit of a challenge to get you to pick them up, but I'm glad you did, and I hope you enjoyed them. And I think uh, it's some of the most wonderful art uh, from him. 
for 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 years, you know, they, they he broke a record with Bendis eleven a hundred and eleven, I believe, straight issues of the book, which is unrivaled in in comic history, literally, yeah. because it is the record. It is the record. <laughs> And uh, if you haven't read those books, I would strongly urge you to check them out. And and also his work on Amazing Spider-Man, where Mark Bagley has always been interesting to me because he's kind of like the defining artist on the Spider-Man book for the past maybe 20 years. I mean, if you see any ads anywhere for featuring a Spider-Man, it's typically his Spider-Man on T-shirts, on caps, um, you know, even more than the movie Spider-Man. Right. Yeah, it's pretty amazing, and and you know he he definitely seemed like a, a great guy. I mean, I know uh, I, I was kind of off to the side. It was towards the end of the show. He was a little tired, um, so we, you know, obviously, we really appreciated him giving us the time that he did. Yeah, we literally got him at the last second, and I got a commission from him, um, so I must have maybe tired his wrist. I don't know, but uh, <laughs> he was really gracious, and it's a really great interview, and uh, so I hope you guys enjoy it. Hi, everyone. It's Dan Gavazdin here on Superior Spider Talk, and I'm here with Mark Bagley from Amazing Spider-Man, Ultimate Spider-Man, and various other spider titles. Uh, hello, Mark. How are you doing today? I'm doing fine. How are you? Doing just fine. Okay. Uh, it's been a pretty crazy day here at Connecticut Comic-Con, and um, uh, we have a bunch of questions to ask you. We're, uh, Mark and I are both big fans of your work, and um, uh, Hopefully you can answer some of these questions that we have. So um, when you joined Amazing Spider-Man in the 1990s, uh, you were fo following up two artists with very distinctive styles um, who also happened to create Image Comics. Um, did you feel any pressure uh, to trying to live up to your successors? No, because they suck. You know, they, they no artistic ability at all. You know, McFarlane and Larson. Uh, no, I, did, I really didn't because it was like I knew I couldn't do what they were doing and I didn't really want to do what they were doing, so I just felt like I sort of did my own thing. Uh, to be honest, I did take some things from Eric and some of the storytelling punchlines that they did, you know, some of the bigger panels and things like that. But the drawing thing, I've never really planned how I draw. It just kind of, I just work it and work it and it just develops. And um, so I, that didn't worry me. And, you know, was I worried that the sales would go down because I was on the book? I don't. I think I was just too excited to even worry about stuff like that because you know this was my dream project from since I was like ten years old. So. Well, that's funny. My next question was going to ask you about that. So, what is it about the character that uh, makes this your made this your dream project, and how did this challenge you once you had the gig? Well, I loved comics from when I was a kid, and I was a kid a long time ago. So, I knew Spider-Man when he was you know drawn by Ditko, and actually I got the copies of those, but. Uh, I just, he was always my favorite character. It was always my favorite book. Um, Gil Kane's issues, John Romita's issues, you know. Um, I just, it just appealed to me. And, um, you know, if I was going to work at Marvel, my goal was, okay, Amazing Spider-Man was going to be my goal. You know, that's sort of a pinnacle. That's like, you know, one of the high cons to work on. It's like going to D.C. and working on Superman. Why go to D.C. if you're not going to at least do Superman or Batman, you know? So, uh, no offense to anybody else. but uh, So I was happy as a clown. And did you feel like it was, it was, it was hard to step into those shoes particularly? or No, I, I don't worry about stuff like that. Yeah. I, and plus, I wasn't a kid. I was 27 years old, so... Um, or 28 by that point, and um, I just just did what I did, you know, and didn't worry about it, you know. 
Um, how would you best define your visual approach to Spider-Man? Uh, were you looking to, what were you looking to emphasize with the character's visuals? Like, were you going for something more simplistic, realistic, muscular? How would you define your Spider-Man? Um, always in the back of my head, Gil Kane to me was was always my favorite Spider-Man artist. So I love John Romita's stuff. Uh, I love Steve. You know, I love all all those guys. You know, I even like Eric's stuff. Um, but when I'm drawing Spider-Man, I would think I would think about what how Gil Kane would do it, how, how John Romita would do the faces, and how Gil Kane would do the bodies and the figures, and the way he flipped through the cities and through you know, um, the, just the fluidity of it and the grace of it. And you know, I never reached that sort of thing, but that's sort of what I was shooting for. Um, Muscular-wise, I always saw him as sort of a regularly muscled person. He, you know, Captain America would be very bulked, you know, but athletic. You know, uh, uh, Daredevil the same way, sort of Spider-Man thinner and smaller. For a while, I drew him way too thin, and I was, they kept telling me, you know, draw him heavier, draw him heavier. And then for a while, I drew him way too muscular because I, I got looser and looser with that. You know, you, you go through phases. Um, I'd be curious to see what what I'd look like on him now because I think my my knowledge of anatomy is better. My knowledge of what I see wrong in what I draw, I can correct because I see it. And you know, the one thing about being an artist, you don't see what you're doing wrong. You're just doing it, and it feels right. And then, you know, I look at the stuff I did 10 years ago or 15 years ago, and I just go, oh, my God. You know, and I know it's people's favorite, some people's favorite work, but... All I see is the flaws, and I'm not, you know, people think all oh, bullshit, you know. Oh, to be an artist. You know, trust me, Adam Hughes feels exactly the same way about his work. He says, and people, you don't believe it because Adam Hughes is Adam Hughes. Yeah. Yeah, he feels exactly the same way. You're like, God, this, just, you know, what I did wrong. So I'll never get a tattoo. You, you can barely find an artist who gets tattoos of their own work. Yeah. Because they'll draw something, they'll think it's just right a face, a portrait, it's beautiful. And then three weeks later, look at it and go, why is an eye, a, can I curse? Why yeah. is that an eye a quarter of an inch too high? You know, and and that's not that's not bullshit. That is true. Is there um, a character that uh, when you are attempting to draw them, they always drive you nuts trying to draw it? Like Spider-Man's got the webbing, and I'm sure you get accustomed to that after a while. Oh, the webbing's but, nothing. Spider-Man's yeah. easy for me now. Um, the thing is hard to draw still, even after 13 issues on Fantastic Four. It's and just you're a, on that title now, yeah? Yeah, I'm actually on the last two pages of that title. Oh, wow. Um, uh, hard to draw, give me fits. Um, not too much, because... Yeah. Some characters are harder than others, but like Silver Surfer's easy, you know. Uh, you know Captain Britain's hard. Uh, I, I'm, I'm not sure how I'm going to draw Ultimate, uh, the Miles Morales Spider-Man with that, the red webbing. I'm not sure how I'm going to handle that. Is that in uh, the cards? Yeah, oh yeah, I'm doing five issues of something called Cataclysm. But, oh, um, I didn't know that. That's yeah, really that's my great. next gig with Brian Bendis. Okay. Um, we're gonna f I up. I should know that. We're gonna f up the Ultimate Universe. Well, don't tell me that. Yeah. I really don't want to yeah. know that. So uh, <laughs> that's my so, favorite title. The thing about drawing is it's all construction. It's all you get the basics down and you learn how to you know and the details you know they they, they come easy. So. Um, so Carnage is one of the de- definitive villains you helped create during your... Oh, Carnage is a pain in the ass to draw. This is true. Really? <laughs> oh, yeah. Did, did you have any idea what kind of staying power this character would have with people when if, you created him? If I had, he wouldn't be such a pain in the ass to draw. <laughs> I would have made him easier to draw. I had no idea he'd be around this long. Um, it's really he's, He is really hard. I'm not kidding. He is really hard to draw. What makes him so difficult? Because he's got all these black... 
tendrils and blobs all over them, and that tends to flatten the figure. So you've got to model them around the figure to give it any sense of dimension. Oh, it's funny. I feel like that's been de-emphasized in recent Carnage illustrations, the black part that was yeah. key to your Carnage, which was like red and black mixture. Yeah. And now he's just this kind of red, amorphous character. But Yeah, uh, well, it's he's, like I said, he's hard to draw. And you know, the new coloring techniques help. I mean, the new computerized coloring, because they can do a lot more modeling with the coloring. Um, but the funny thing is, that wasn't the original design for Carnage. The original design for Carnage was, uh, I actually still have that sketch. It was like a black, uh, he, he was a black character, like Venom, with a red spot, a huge red splotch on his chest that spread out from his chest, like he had a huge gunshot wound. Wow. You know? And Danny Fingeroth, I think he just interviewed, just said, nah, it's just too... The comics code wouldn't approve it, so... Uh, and that model right. has never made its way back in anywhere else? No, 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 no. With all the millions of symbiotes that have been created? It may be close, but who knows, you know? Yeah. I don't remember. Um, what were some of the challenges of having to reinvent the Spider-Man universe with the Ultimate line? And did you have any deja vu incidents when that series first kicked off? Nah, deja vu, no, not really. Uh, it was freeing to be able to draw Peter Parker like I wanted to draw him. I never felt like I drew 616 Peter Parker well enough, or Mary Jane for that matter. Or any, it's like, because I had these like standards to live up to and, and these real specific just images in my head. In, six, in, in Ultimate Universe, I could just draw them my way comfortably and go to town on them. The redesigning was... I, the first couple of years, I really didn't get what Brian was doing, so it was like I was still going for the superhero look, a supervillain look, really, you know, for um, Electro and Doc Ock, and you know, even even the original Green Goblin story, you know. I kept putting him in what was sort of a costume. Yeah, that purple robe. Yeah, yeah with the belt and everything. And I couldn't get... And Brian just wanted him... Brian, If it was, Brian had had his way, he'd have been naked pretty much, I think. <laughs> he kind of is most of the He time. is now, yeah. Um, and I couldn't wrap my head around it, you know? Um, and I finally did. But, you know, the redesigning part... Yeah, I mean... Just taking the vulture, you know. Brian says, "Okay, the vulture's he, he's younger. He looks like like Nate, like uh, Jason Strahan, the actor." Yeah. Oh, okay. You know that sort of thing. He would give me that sort of a cue, and I'd go. Yeah. Uh, Harry Osborn, not Harry, but uh, Norman Osborn uh, was supposed to just reminiscent of Brian Dennehy. You yeah, know? I can see that. Yeah, and um, and then after he became the Green Goblin and got sort of control of it. He's a young Brian because my idea was to sleek him down, and he's muscular and he's like healthy because he's got the Oz formula in him, and it's working for him. But he's still nuts, bug nuts. Um, Kingpin, you, you can't really redesign the a fat white bald guy. He's kind you know, of perfect the way he is. Yeah, right? except I sort of drew him like a mutant because he's so big and his hands are so huge. I have a hard time drawing him small enough to look human, really. Like There's that great cover where his hands are almost squishing Spider-Man. The amazing pillow hands. Yeah, <laughs> the, yeah the colors on that cover just... He took these hands that I drew in pencil and just... It, it, those covers went directly from pencil to colors. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, uh, Ezenoff, I can't remember. Uh, Richard Ezenoff uh, took over the covers. I forget about what issue, but man, he just... His colors look like oil painting on top of these pencils. They're, yeah. just, they're, they're just amazing. They're really and, beautiful. Um, the, the guy we had before, his name I can't remember, did some really good work. But every now and then he'd do something like that Kingpin cover with the hands. They just look like these huge white pink pillows, you know. <laughs> and it was like, oh, my God. But uh, um, You and Bendis broke a record uh, as partners on a comic with Ultimate Spider-Man beating out, I believe, uh, Stan Lee and Jack Kirby. On the FF. Yep. Uh, 
Um, what was the key element in both of you working on the book for as long as you did and remaining fresh with it for that period of time? We're sleeping with each other. Oh, that's, yeah, that's yeah. Nice. We love each other to death, and you know, we want to get married. Our wives don't know that, but uh, no. Uh, we were just enjoying the hell out of breaking the, story here. I was just enjoying the hell out of the book, and Brian was just enjoying the hell out of what I was doing. I, yeah. you know, we just we were having so much fun, and this is really before texting got to be so big and all this other stuff. So we were talking on the phone every every four or five days. Now Brian's so damn busy, you, you you're lucky if you can return a text. But um. You know, it was just this really nice mix between the two of us. And I got to, I fell in love with the stories. We'd go five issues without him in costume. Yeah. Which, on retrospect, probably cost me $70,000 in art sales because I can't sell a splash page. It's Peter Parker. It's Peter Parker. The whole Venom arc, you never have him in costume. Oh, hell, you know, the whole clone storyline, he's never in costume. Well, he is. No, he's never in costume. No. No, he is. He's in the first, when he beats up the Scorpion. He beats the Scorpion, yeah. Right. But, um,. Which you is know, an amazing sequence at the mall, like really bang right. up job. It was fun, thank you. Uh, the inking was amazing. Uh, John Dell was, I think, is one of the best inkers I've ever had on me. Um, but you know, the thing is, we never s- s- meant to break any set to break any record. And you know, be honest, Jack was drawing four other issues and every cover at Marvel for years. So I was just doing the one ish- the one comic. Yeah. Um, but it was like we're just doing it and just doing it and just doing it. And around issue sixty or so. The blogosphere started like, you know, the record is sort of this, and I'm like, oh, that's stupid. I don't even worry about that. You know, I'm not even thinking about that. Then about to get to about 70, and you're like, yeah, we're people start talking. And then Brian mentions it. You know, that'd be kind of cool to do that. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. And um, then about 90, you know, or 85, I got sort of into it. I'm like, you know, that would be cool to do that. And God, I'm like 48 years old. I could get sick and miss four issues and screw this up. And right about issue 90, 95, I'm like, God, I hope nothing goes wrong. I really want to break this record. <laughs> this would be so freaking cool. You know, so, uh, you know, it, it, it was amazing. And um, so we did it. And Do you have like a favorite arc or character that you created or arc, story arc that you illustrated um, in, in that whole series? I, I enjoyed the hell out of the whole series, but there the two the two issues with Morbius they don't mean anything they're not they're, they're, they're not important to the series it's a very at all dist- distinctly different style yeah and I drew the hell out of those two issues and the inking was great in them John Doe was inking me on those lots of blacks and um, I just in fact the opening sequence of the first issue um, with Blade running with down Blade the alley, yeah. that had been done in by another artist, the, pretty much the same sequence. I can't remember his name. He's mainly a painter. He, he does he does comics. You guys know who he is. He, he's done a lot of independent stuff. Done some stuff for DC. And um, all I knew is I wanted to outdraw this some bitch. I just wanted to do it better. And you know, so I really, I was really happy with that sequence. There's some wild ideas in that too—a wolf that turns into bats. Yeah, 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 yeah. Brian wrote that. I called him. I said, "Can I just have him turn into one big bat?" And he's like, "No, I want a lot of bats." I'm like, "Oh, goddamn." <laughs> um, so I read that some people compare your uh, Richard Parker to how you drew Peter in Amazing Spider-Man. Was this a conscious choice for you? I'll be honest with you. I actually went back and I actually didn't trace, but I took a lot of old Gil Kane and John. John Romita drawings and sort of I, li- I would light box them and then redraw them some and make them older and that's because I really wanted him to look exactly like the 616 wow. only a little bit older you know that, yeah. I, I just wanted him to 
So, so I, I have a very personal connection to this book. Uh, when I was 16, my best friend passed away from a brain tumor, and I found Peter as like my new, like compatriot through that struggle and following him and, and then his eventual death was really like a, a, quite an experience for me and um, so I, the ending of the, of the Peter Parker story was uh, really interesting he you know he, he kind of fulfilled his mission to save his aunt and, right. and, and complete the great power uh, great responsibility but the final images of that comic are of Norman Osborn smiling smiling yeah I guess he, I think he's I don't know no I don't know but yeah he smiled at the end of it. I don't know why. I, to be honest, I didn't like it. Uh, you know, and, and it, I didn't I agree a, with Brian on it. I had a gut rea yeah. rejection reaction of it. Yeah. That the villain is victorious in the end. Yet again. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, so you don't know what Bendis' thought with that was? Or? Oh, I. Yeah. Bendis. Well, Bendis has never really explained it to me. That sort of thing. But in the end, it, he's definitely uh, he cracks a little smile, which means you can't be dead, or unless it's his death smile or something. That's but, what I uh, always figured, yeah. You know, I hope it's that. I've never really talked to him about it, because, you know, it's not that important to me. And we don't even know how Norman came over. back from the death after At dying. the first time, yeah, right, yeah. yeah. So, uh, Brian can be a little fuzzy about things like that sometimes. And it doesn't really matter you know? so much. I was just curious if you had an insight on that. Um, what was the process of working with him on, like on the book, particularly through the issues that were so minimalistic and required you do do so much heavy lifting with small facial expressions. I'm thinking of like number nine, where he tells Mary Jane that he's Spider-Man. Um, would he leave the paneling and timing of the images up to you, or were his scripts already that specific? His scripts are pretty specific. They always have it, and every now, and, but he's pretty, pretty free about me, you know, tweaking here and there, adding a panel, taking a panel down, doing a little. You know, a little rearranging. I, and I didn't have to do a lot of it because Brian's visual storytelling sense is really good. Um, do you feel like that helped you with working with faces? Uh, oh, yeah. Working with him? It, yeah. I'm conflicted about the whole script thing because when I came into the business, it was just plots. You know, it was like you get a six or seven page plot for a 22 page story, and and I would break the story down into 22 pages. And then they go over and script on top the old Marvel way. Sure, yeah. You give that to most comic artists now, and they're going to jump out a window. You know, they're just going to die. Yeah. And it's easier when you get a full script like that. Um, so I miss the challenge of that. It's easier, but it's also it lets you really worry about more about the drawing, too. And if the guy's good, then it's not a problem. It can be a problem where you look at it and you go, I can't freaking draw this, you know? And there have been a few times Brian's given me something and I, I just went, no, there's no fucking way I'm drawing this. Uh, the first issue, there was a double-page spread where the bald guy is trying to run over Peter and Peter flips over the van. right. right. And I think I drew 18 panels in that because he really wanted these flash stop moments. But Brian's script had like 32 panels or some damn thing. I mean, it was ridiculous. And I just was like, and at that point, I wasn't sold on doing the book anyway. So I would just I kind of put my back up and said, I'm not fucking drawing that. <laughs> so I didn't. And I think Brian took it really well, actually, because I think he could have pissed and moaned about it quite a lot. And then later on I would do something like in the four or five years we worked together on that book I had to redraw two sequences like half pages or full page sequences because I either on one of them I just misunderstood how important something was to him and felt like I had a better way of doing it and the second time was I was just flat tired and maybe got a little lazy and just went, I, I could do this, it would do it as well, and it's easier. And Brian call, would call and go, you know, I really wanted that. And I said, okay, because it's my bad. You know, yeah. it, it, 
you know. And uh, but it's nine like a surgeon that guy. Ninety nine percent of the time though, it's like okay, you've done this, cool. You know, that's what, oh man, that's a great idea. I wish I'd have thought of that. Yeah. You know, and you get that every now and then working with the artists like. When I did New Warriors with Fabian Niciesa, when we, when we initially introduced the Richard Ryder, the, the Nova, uh, Fabian wanted him to be this skinny skinny guy who'd just kind of given up on life and was working at a fast food place and was just this loser. And I just, I couldn't see Nova as this skinny, you know. And so I, I called him and said, why don't we make him, instead of like giving up because he's lost his power, he hits the gym because he feels like at least if he gets really big and buff, he can still be yeah. super heroic. And so he goes goes in the gym and gets himself. And, and Fabian was like, "That's a great idea," you know. So anyway, yeah, it's always a toss up between who comes up with what, right? Right. It's hard to tell. Um, as an artist on both um, Ultimate and Amazing Spider-Man, do you find that you differ in your process how you approach drawing each universe? Oh yeah, absolutely. Because. Um, well, the characters anyway, because the characters are established in one way and another. You know, I mean, yeah, that, that's a given. Um, the, the actual drawing of it, no. I mean, I don't change how I draw it in any specific way. Your style is your style. Yeah, you I'm not. I'm, Stuart Inman is like amazing. He can go from this really cartoony, powerful style to this really realistic, powerful style to this really just amazing, dramatic, powerful style. I, I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to design my drawing that way. I just draw from, you know, just what little talent I have and just do what I can do. So, you know, you know. You must have been the artist on more Spider-Man books than almost anybody. But if given the chance, would you return to drawing the character? Or is it, you feel like you've made your impression? I'm actually getting a hankering to draw Spider-Man again. I just, right. I just, I miss the character. You know. My drawings evolved. I mean, I, you look at what I do, did five years ago and what I do now. It's, it's. I think it's quite a bit different. I, I, I agree. You know, and you look at what I did was doing 15 years ago, and it's like night and day. You know, and so I would like to see what I would do when I made Spider-Man again. You know, I've actually put a bug in a couple of people's ears because, like I said, I got this five issues of Cataclysm, and I don't know what I'm doing after that. So yeah. they got to find something. So. Might be a good thing. Who knows? Somebody should start like a campaign, like a, you know, what do they call those things? A petition. Well, listeners. A drive, you know? <laughs> uh, well, before we go, I want to ask you, uh, you know, where we can find more of your work or follow you on the internet. I apparently have a Facebook page. My daughter runs it, but I, I you know, I don't tweet, I don't blog, I don't, I, you know, I'm... I'm at the house, I'm working, and I'm not really that social a person. I'm friendly as hell, I can be funny as hell, but uh, I type like an old lady, I type like old people, slow and sloppy. (laughs) So it's just, you know, so, you know, (laughs) contact whoever I'm working with, you know. Well, what about upcoming books that you're doing that we can keep our eyes out for? I I don't know. I mean, I'm brilliant. I want to get back on brilliant. We want to finish that up. I have the script finally. Um... But with this cataclysm thing, it's kind of late, so I'll be working on that. And then after that, I don't know what I'm doing. All right. Well, thanks, Mark, for joining us. Glad to be here. Have fun. Thanks. Enjoy it. Spider-Man and his amazing friends. So once again, I wanted to thank uh, Mark Bagley for taking the time to speak with us. And uh, please be on the lookout for all five of our Superior Spider Talk and Friends episodes as they get released in the near future, featuring all of our other interviews from this event. I think the next one we're going to be releasing is our awesome interview with the legendary Tom DeFalco. 
Yes, though the legendary Tom DeFalco, and don't you forget it, Dan. I I, I intend on not forgetting it. <laughs> um, and uh, in terms of finding us uh, to talk to us some more about uh, these interviews or Spider-Man or anything else, uh, you can get me at uh, chasingamazingblog.com, the old Twitter handle, at chasingasmblog, Facebooking me, uh, facebook.com slash uh, Chasing Amazing, and of course, uh, my weekly column at Comics Should Be Good blog, Gimmick or Good. And you can find me on Twitter at, at Dan Gavazdin or on my movie review website, grindmyreels.com. You can find all of our Superior Spider Talk podcasts at superiorspidertalk.podomatic.com or find us on iTunes by searching for Superior Spider Talk or just Spider Man. And if you do, Please leave us a rating and comment and let us know how we're doing, and we'll read it on the air. If you have any opinions on these comics or any questions, please email them to us at superiorspidertalk at gmail.com, and we'll address and read them on the air. Sounds awesome, Dan. So until our next interview with the legendary Tom DeFalco, let us remember the advice of good old Uncle Ben. With great podcasts comes Superior Spider Talk. Superior Spider Talk.